This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. It's late in the evening here on the West Coast, and I'm finally starting my Daily Thrones broadcast day. Uh, but hey, that's sometimes how it goes. The last couple days have been very Star Wars-focused for me because of the solo trailers finally dropping, and it's just kind of part of my job over the Force Center podcast feed to dig into that stuff and find out what it all means and uh, do we like it. Uh, is Alden Ehrenreich going to be a good Han Solo? And I think he is, but what's interesting is I it got me thinking about young Ned Stark in Season 6, and I, I've talked about this before here and other places, but in looking at Alden Ehrenreich uh, as Han Solo, that's going to be one of the hardest things ever, but He's got the essence. A lot of it's there. The voice doesn't sound right, but we've only seen maybe 10, 15 seconds of him so far. And uh, there's a lot of the things there that are Han Solo and some of them even Harrison Ford. But I went back to Ned Stark in season six, the flashbacks, the Tower of Joy stuff. And the first couple times, I mean, I mean, you know, I watch each episode several times during the season. Uh, three to four times if I'm, uh, you know, hosting a breakdown show, whether it was on Screen Junkies or Collider or now here Daily Thrones. And young young Ned Stark in the first sequence, once I really saw him and took him in, I didn't like him. I actually thought it was a big misfire. The voice wasn't right. The face, yeah, thinner and, and age, uh, you know, we're playing with a younger Ned Stark. I get it, Sean Bean. Uh, a little bit older, understood, but I thought the face, the structure of it wasn't right. You could have cast a little bit better. Yeah, he had the hair and the outfit, but uh, I don't believe it. And then over time, I just maybe got used to it, and I eventually accepted it. And the young Ned Stark we see, if they did a spinoff that was Robert's Rebellion, and I know they said they're not, blah, 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 that's not the conversation now, but if they were going to do it, and that actor, and I, I forget his name, I should look up uh, my bet. If he was cast as young Ned Stark and they kept him and then they went through Robert's Rebellion with him, I'd be like, oh yeah, absolutely, That was that's young Ned Stark, I totally believe it. So I hope, hopefully that can translate to Solo, a lot of people not uh, accepting of Alden Ehrenreich yet. But I look to Game of Thrones, as I often do, and if we can accept it here in the world of Westeros and Essos, maybe we can accept it. In a galaxy far, far away. Hey, it's time to celebrate. Here's a call from one of our favorites who all through this day has been celebrating his name day. Hey, Ken. I just got in a little while ago. It was a wild night here in Philly because, as I'm sure you know, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And also, when the clock hit midnight, it became my birthday, my name day. I hit the big 35 Today, and, you know, it, it got me thinking. I was like, you know what? What Game of Thrones character would what, what I want to throw me uh, a name day celebration, you know, a birthday party? Like, who would be the best choice? And it's funny that you and Joseph Scrimshaw brought him up because I, I, I keep coming back to Tyrion. 
I, I just think he would throw me, especially if he liked me, a great bash. He would, he would definitely, there'd be women there, there'd be booze there. I just think it would be a fantastic time. Who would you want to throw your birthday bash? Happy birthday and a happy name day to Eric Monroe, who always calls in here. He has been one of my regular contributors, callers here on Anchor since pretty much day one, which was uh, almost a year ago, I think. March of last year? I'll have to look it up. I, I have records of every segment I've broadcast here on Anchor. I'll look uh, look back and find it out. But enough about me and Anchor. Uh, happy birthday to Eric. Uh, love your calls, man. Congratulations to uh, your team there in Philadelphia. Glad you survived the celebration. Uh, this segment's coming out a bit, a little bit later, so tomorrow we'll still celebrate Eric's name day if you, if you guys want to wish him uh Happy name day. Comment on the segment. Call in if you want. But to the question about who would I want to plan my birthday slash name day celebration. We've talked about parties here on Daily Thrones before. Uh, which Game of Thrones character would throw the best parties? And I think in the end, I mean, Illyrio Mopathis is, is a candidate because he put on a, you know, great big wedding for uh, Cal Drogo and Daenerys. That, that was a... A five-star event there, right? Um, you could look at some other characters who just throw money at things and look at some of the big weddings and everything. I mean, hey, until it went bad, Walter Frey didn't throw a bad wedding. It was, you know, lighting was a little dark, but everyone seemed to be having a good time. But I think at the end of the day, even though you got your Oberyn Martells, you got your Baelishes, you got your Bronze, you got some fun people maybe you want at your party, Tyrion is the answer, the most obvious answer is sometimes the answer. Not only is there going to be a lot of vices there for you to choose from, it's going to be a well-organized party if Tyrion is truly in charge. I mean, look what he did at Casterly Rock, charged with just fixing the sewage system in town, the latrines. He did it, and he did it well, so well that later on it was used in a war strategy. So if Tyrion is in charge of my party... It's going to go well. Now, I know, Season 7, Tyrion had some eh, little fumbles, uh, little hiccups in his, in his success record as a, as a strategic planner of events and wars. But I'm willing to overlook it, especially willing to overlook it for your name day, Eric. Maybe one day, Tyrion Lannister, yo yeah, fictional character, will plan a party for us all. Hey Ken, it's Vic. I hope I'm not too late to give my answer for the opening scene of season eight. I've been uh, thinking about this one a lot over the last couple of days, and I think the opening scene might be the one that they cut from season seven with Cersei awakening in bed covered in blood from a possible miscarriage. I know they shot that scene or one like it, but then decided to leave it out of season seven. So maybe the reason they decided to cut it was because they wanted to open season eight with that kind of scene, setting the stage for Cersei's final descent into complete madness. If she wasn't totally crazy before, she will certainly be after something like that. Thanks for taking my call. Vic calling in, and you know what, you guys out there, you're never too late to talk about any topic that we've discussed here on Daily Thrones. If you are a listener on the Daily Podcast and or just listen here 
via the episodes tab on Anchor on the app. You can go back and hear some of the other topics. Otherwise, uh, after 24 hours, some of these things, uh, you know, they they expire. But if you guys, anything, anything, going back a year, I don't care. Bring it up and discuss it. Just a quick editor's note. So, Vic, you are uh, you are definitely in time to talk about a possible first shot or sequence of season eight. Cold open or maybe after the credits, doesn't matter. But this idea that you presented here from this lost deleted scene Cersei having a miscarriage. I actually like that. I like it for this reason. We and, and I put myself in that we are 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 concentrating a lot on the show starting uh, with things related to the Night King and this big war, the final war. Uh, even when we're breaking it down small with the idea of Jamie Lannister running up into a group of whites and, and having to fight them, and maybe that starts it all. Um, we are focusing on that, but there is another part of this equation, another part of what is going on in Season 8, or what will be going on in Season 8, and that is Cersei Lannister. Uh, the conversation is generally, and I've, I've had some today off-air with some friends about Game of Thrones. Yes, even when I'm not recording, I'm often talking about Game of Thrones. And the idea was, hey, you know, you, you, what, what happens? Is it this battle with the Night King? Did they defeat the Night King and then go have to deal with Cersei? Is it the other way around? Cersei feels like it's going to be that way. It's part of this trick she's playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can go fight, fight the Night King, uh, uh, these, these weird zombies, and we'll pick up the pieces of who, whoever is left. I mean, that's what Cersei is saying. That's what kind of she's banking on. Get me the Golden Company. We'll pick up the scraps. But Cersei is the other part of this uh, of this occasion, and a other part of this story, a big part. She's gonna have to be dealt with. She's gonna have to either meet her demise, find redemption, some sort of resolution, all of the above. So for the show, when us as a group, kind of, for the most part are focused on the Night King and the White Walkers and the Whites and everyone marching down and winter taking over the land. Let's not forget that Cersei Lannister has positioned herself to be even maybe above the Night King, the number one baddie. Now, Night King maybe has more perceived power right now. He's in a pretty good position with an ice dragon and an army that only gets bigger even if he defeats his enemies. Cersei is kind of the number one villain. She's earned it. She's worked hard for that spot. So let's pay her the respect. And maybe the show starts with her. And this idea of this miscarriage is interesting. Because it would perhaps be the final straw for Cersei. She tries again. One more child. And it's gone. We saw what this pregnancy meant to her at the end of season seven. So to lose it and to lose it at this point with a big war coming and the war maybe finding its way to her doorstep, I could very much see that breaking Cersei and kind of being a thing that makes, makes kind of an unhinged, unchained Cersei. Cersei with nothing to lose. And that seems dangerous. So... Vic, that's a great idea. Great call. Glad you made it. Hey, Ken, this is Jeremy, Geek with a Side of Nerd. And I was thinking about that last shot of Game of Thrones Season 8. And I, 
I'd like to have it be a nice quiet moment after everything's been, you know, the war is over. You know, don't know who's going to be around still, but I really hope to see Tyrion still at the end. Maybe a nice quiet moment with Tyrion either talking to John or if John doesn't survive, maybe Tyrion talking to Sansa because I want to see a Stark in there too. And I'd like to see that nice conversation of good dialogue and just you know maybe some reflection on everything going on where they're talking about politics but it's not like backstabbing politics it's just talking about how the kingdoms working together all the, the seven kingdoms under the Tyrion still the hand whether it's the hand of the king or hand of the queen but i really like to see a nice quiet moment with good dialogue Closing down our broadcast day with a great call from Jeremy, a geek with the side of nerd. And I like this idea that he's putting forth here, talking about what could possibly end the show, the final shot or sequence. Uh, something we've been discussing here for a couple days now on uh, Daily Thrones, along with the first shot and the first sequence. You know, when it's all said and done and the dust settles, uh, the idea of having a quiet moment with some of our favorite characters. I, I love the pairing of... Tyrion and, and, and Sansa in a final scene not necessarily they would be together or married or anything like that but just them together maybe she's the queen and he's her hand I don't know that might not be a bad idea but after all the dust settles and maybe the snow melts away and the wall comes crumbling down and castles and keeps and holds come crashing down the idea that we'd have a, a quiet moment a moment of reflection like Jeremy said looking back on this journey these eight seasons uh, these eight years plus of our lives as fans and them as cast and crew making these things, it would be, it would be okay. Uh, that's uh, we're all kind of coming to the same idea here of a final sequence that the story's not going to rush up to the finish line and end with a big explosion. I think we are going to have this type of feeling. This whether or not the wheel's been broken and the society of Westeros has changed forever, democracies in the land, whatever it might be. Or maybe it's a quiet moment with the Night King because he's won the entire thing. I don't know. I love the idea of this kind of ending on a soft note. Not one that's open-ended. We're not talking Sopranos here. But something where we know the end. We know the resolution. We're here with these characters. I go to the Return of the King a lot. I go to the that it, when we're talking about these final shots and sequences... And I love, I, I love Peter Jackson's choice to keep those appendices uh, kind of going up into the movie there, pulling them from the book. And I like that this whole thing, this journey, and it's a long journey. I mean that in a good way. This long journey that we go on with the Fellowship from these in these three movies. And if you watch the extended editions, that's a long day of viewing. I like that it ends with Sam. Samwise heading back home to his wife and family. And life goes on. If we can get, if we end up with that kind of moment somehow, some way, maybe it's Tyrion just attending a, a small council meeting and saying the meeting's uh, the meeting has begun, you know, and and we, have, I'd be I'd be okay with that. Big scene, big season, big moments are going to be throughout it, but a small quiet moment of reflection wouldn't be that bad of an ending for the entire story. Guys, that's Daily Thrones for the day. Sorry it was a late night start. I'll be back on it earlier tomorrow. You can call in, interact with me, find me on Twitter at KenNapsuck. Use the hashtag Daily Thrones if you want to join the conversation there. Or like I said, here on Anchor. Give me a call. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye.